Secrets from a Coach. Thrive and maximise your potential in the evolving workplace. Your weekly podcast with Debbie Green of Wishfish and Laura Thompson-Staveley of Phenomenal Training. Debs. Law, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Cool, we've been testing the old team resilience this week, haven't we, Debs? We certainly have, Law. Big shout out to the team around us that have supported me, certainly with what's been going on with my mum and dad. So, um, yeah, but they're both back home now. So, oh, Oh, fab. So, as always, our episodes are, you know, aimed to be real, practical. It's all very well talking a good game in a training session about the importance of team resilience. But the test of it is, is 5am in the morning when there's some kind of requirement to lean into that support of a team. So just from a general concept point of view, Debs, mm. what are you picking up about? Well, what, t- what first off, what is team resilience? How would you just define it? How would you see it? Yeah, that's a. Um, I think for me, team resilience is when you see a team noticing what's going on around them and pulling together. So when they're faced with adversity or challenge or things aren't maybe going quite to plan, they work collaboratively and they work together on it. And there's no... Um, like I'm going to do that, but you do that, but it's more of what can we do together? And I think that's what I see. And when I see it in teams that um, are faced with um, drama or trauma or um, last minute things that, you know, change their plan, the when you see those teams that are communicating really well and they're asking, what can we do to help each other? That's when team resilience is at its utmost. And then the review and reflect of it afterwards is the bit that, then enables us to acknowledge what people have done, um, acknowledge how we've got through it, what we learned from it. Um, and therefore, we're, as like anything in resilience, you know, if we can build that, we're more wiser, stronger and able if something was similar to happen again, because we've all learned from it. Oh, yeah. And in fact, Debs, that really reminds me of the work that we've done with um, first responder or emergency yes. teams or teams yeah. in operations. You have a hot debrief. So yeah. the yes, op- that's hot good. debrief yeah, is the immediate... We've just all had to lead in and deal with something that might have been unplanned or unwanted. It's putting aside half an hour just to do a quick hot debrief, which what is our initial reactions and are we all okay and is everybody okay? And then the cold debrief is scheduled in, which is then once there's been a bit of time, it might be one or two weeks after, we plan in time as a team to review and reflect what are lessons learned? What does that mean in terms of restoring and recovering moving forward? And I think what's really interesting, Debs, is where there's an opportunity maybe for teams that are more office-based and there's more of a business-as-usual approach to borrow those lessons from those uh, more emergency-related roles in that that's how you build that team resilience. Because if the team never have a chance to down tools, have a chat about what happened, lean in and learn, as you said, then it's just relentless and the resilience gets kind of ground down. Yeah, you're so right, actually, Law. And I think that's part of, you know, if you're a leader, a team leader, supervisor, whatever you might be, is that's the culture. If you can encourage and create that culture where that hot debrief and a cold debrief happens, I just think that's so powerful, um, Law, because, um, you know, we've heard in teams recently, or, you know, this happened, we did respond to it and we got through it and, you know, everything's great but then it was like yeah and there's no none of the follow-up be that as you just said you know that hot debrief may have happened like five minutes with a few people but actually that's not enough and I think giving that time um for the whole team to just process it and it doesn't have to be hours as an hours long it can just be focused 30 minute and you know 60 minutes tops what went well what didn't how are you as you just said I think it's so important but 
that's down to the leader to create that type of culture and then people will um, just do that anyway. It will become part of how we work together. Yeah. I mean, this would always have been useful and there'll be many industries for whom that's just an operational norm. Yes, Something absolutely. happens, we, we stand up and then we kind of stand down. Where I think this is particularly useful right here in 2022 is there are so many people starting new roles. How do you then equip all of that wisdom that is hard-won wisdom that each of those individual members of the team have gathered? But how do you then process it, as you said, and impart that knowledge to all the people that are joining? So you're not just stuck going around in circles (laughs) and continuously feeling like you're not making progress because people are fatigued. There are not that many people going, oh, I can't wait for that transformation (laughs) programme. So we need that team element because... That's why we work as teams. A passenger will always spot something different from the driver. If you're working always solo, you know, you never know that you might be missing an opportunity or you're about to head to a challenge. And that ability, as you said, for teams to just watch out for each other, to then just be able to step in, be proactive, step in or there to be called upon to kind of help. Definitely. And and that's the, um, the ability to coordinate, I suppose. So as well as look at it from... Uh, what's going on on the ground, but also looking at, as you always talk about the two up, let's look at it two levels up as well. Um, And I think that's whoever is that in control, if you like, inverted commas, of coordinating the effort and the people and the communication around that, their role is pivotal to that. But it's not just left to one person to do. I think there's a team around it. And I know, as you said, we've worked in operations where they've had the gold, silver, bronze command, and which is what they called, which stands up and escalates depending. So people are making those decisions two, three ways up. But I think that coordination of that for those of us on the ground, if you like, and the communication channels have to be maintained and open all the way through because otherwise somebody might be going what does that mean I don't know so I think there's a responsibility on leaders to help their teams understand if this happens this is how we respond to things so that people have an awareness around it and know what's going on so I think that's key. Yeah. And I think as well, the, um, the, the, the influence that uh, uh, different personalities and styles have on that as well. So interestingly, we're running a session, aren't we, next we week are. that is specifically giving the team time to think about how much communication do we need? How do we remain connected? What's the method of communication? They're a global team. Yeah, they're all over the world on different timeframes. What does that mean in terms of feeling connected that engenders that sense of resilience? Because they know they've got a pretty big old year of recovery that's ahead of them. So they want to kind of keep connected as a team. And you might have some team members who want daily contact with loads of fun and loads of energy because that keeps them resilient. But for other people, that might degrade some of their resilience because they don't want to be bothered or interrupted. So how as a team do you keep your resilience level by yep. first off looking at how connected are we and what does a good connection mean for yeah, each of us? And it might definitely. be slightly different. If you remember, you did something around how we deal, adapt, flex to the our in, more introversion preferences and our extroversion preferences. And and I know you talk really eloquently about, well, how do we adapt? You know, like if somebody is more of an introversion preference, what do we do? But if someone's more extroversion, as you were just saying, but it's the advice then you've been passing on to leaders that enable them to go, oh yeah, that makes sense because they're just different different from me and I know you do a lot of work around that well it's just fascinating I mean we came up with that new word didn't we it's your emo spatial needs that's the one (laughs) 
<laughs> so how much space do you need to still feel emotionally connected? And you might have, so let's say you've got a scenario, and I think this is quite typical, and it's not anyone's fault. It's just a style difference. You've got cats and dogs. You know, you've got people who are more of an introverted character. After a tough day um, at work, for them, what helps them keep resilient is to have uh, just five minutes of peace. Yes. And then you might have dog characters, more extroverted, for whom tough day at work, they want to just have a laugh and just dispel some of that kind of um, that energy and cheer themselves up by having a bit of people time. Yeah. So where you could end up in a little bit of tricky water is what happens if the peace lovers continually get interrupted by the people lovers <laughs> right at a time where actually that person who just needs a bit of peace and quiet, that's yeah. their five minutes that they sort of set aside. So that idea of emo spatial. So how much space do you need to, in order to still feel like your needs are kind of getting catered for? And I love it. Uh, that that um, little image that you'd found ages ago that, God, I've been copied and pasting that like a good and dead. But <laughs> On the carousel it, of content. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Just change the font. Look, it's brand new. <laughs> Um, but when extroverts are happy, they sparkle. So it's that sense of knowing that you've had an impact or an interaction with someone. And when introverts are happy, they glow. That sense of we've had time to bond and we've had a bit of quality time. So I think what's an interesting uh, catch for leaders now is how do you cater to all those different styles? Because what we're hearing lots of in terms of team resilience is it's not often that everyone is there in a place of work together at the same time now. We get wheeled in to facilitate those um, sessions, which is such a privilege, Debs, but absolutely the huge, big, overwhelming bit of feedback you get at the end is, is it's been so good to spend time together as a team and actually to remember the reason yeah, why we I are Yeah, I think you're right. Lord, and I, I think as you're right. The, there is an accountability on being the manager, the leader. I mean, ultimately, that's what you get paid for, right? But um, I think there's also some responsibility on us as team members to also, you know, do our bit that's going to help the team. So I think that's all also really important that you know we do step up and go how can I help you know I remember doing some work years ago now where the the team members said we want to help how can we help and what I saw with the leader was that they absolutely just then coordinated going back to that and understood what the competence levels were amongst the people that have said you we want to help here how can we um and you know the the impact that had to go absolutely I definitely need your help this is what you can do this is where you all of strengths lie could you do this so the coordination then enabled that team to really deliver on what it was but everybody felt part of it and I think that's for me that's the team essence of team resilience is how the team respond well to a challenge together that's it and I think we all have a role to play in that it's not just left to one person it's not about your ego or going, well, I did that and I was fab at that. It's not that. That just stays at the door. This is about for the greater good, as we always call it, isn't it? Um, and you just got me thinking, actually, that kind of stress test gives you the ultimate thing of how resilient is our team. And it's been um, interesting how still uh, an old favourite, the, the Tuckman model, forming, storming, norming, performing, is such a handy conversational tool to enable teams to look at, um, particularly if they've had a real rough ride um, commercially through the pandemic. So you may not have been making money through the last couple of years, but you still might be a high-performing, resilient team, just about holding things together, 
waiting then for then you know the the, the sort of the landscape to change. Equally, you might have been a team that had record breaking commercial success through the last couple of years, but it's not actually a particularly high performing team, and it's really starting to kick in now that pressure. Yeah of where you're looking at like for like figures where you might be plus 50% and then whew, that pressure is really starting to be felt. So I think just as a real quick recap, the forming stage is when relationships are starting to come together for the first time and getting to know each other. Storming is that kind of uh, uh, it's where everyone's testing each other's boundaries and the edges and how people are on the tough days as well as the easy days. Norming is where we get a bit of housekeeping and coordination, as you're saying, which then creates enough stability to then perform. And it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, magically money starts coming in or service levels improve, but the team is able to handle whatever challenges are then are then thrown at it. Yeah, definitely. And I think to be able to see that with that, um, you know, if you like take the blinkers off and see it for what it really is, I think that's then built into that. You've got to care enough and have the empathy and understanding of what's going on. Just, you know, empathy for yourself, but empathy for others, but also empathy for the, under, you know, what's going, the circumstances we're being faced with so that we can, wherever possible, look at it through a realistic lens rather than, oh my God, what if? And then the panic that can set in. So the calmness that somebody can bring to that situation that enables great conversations to happen is just so powerful to be able to do. Um, you know, and you might fall down at the end of it and go, oh my God, I can't believe I made that happen. And this is what I said. And But that's where your debrief comes in so that people can offload rather than carry it home with them what is going going on. And, and with remote teams, as we know, and it's impacting on a couple of people that we're working with at the moment is how are they going to bring their team so they do feel part of it and I think you're right that is their challenge now is to really consider how how do we get the team bonding how do we get the team back together you know we are going to have hybrid and flexible and whatever it might look like but again I think it's you know your four C's I think are absolute testament to how you can do it and do it well and I think that's what can make the biggest difference for a team's resilience to share your four c's law Ooh, I will share my four c's so the idea behind the four c's is they are the four moments within a team that are you can't get from an algorithm it's tricky to have an automated um, experience that beats a human um, doing one of these four C's. So the four C's stands for those kind of magic moments that create the spark. So it's the moment where a team demonstrates care with each other, where they collaborate with each other, where they are curious in terms of what an opportunity might be and where they are creative together. And those tend to be the meetings that you lose track of time within yes. because they're enjoyable, yep. they're real, and it's really tricky to get an automated app experience that cares more about you than a fellow colleague, that can collaborate in different ways than another team over there, that can be curious and to show you things that you might have not ever known, you know, was an opportunity, or to be able to sit there and think, right, how can we do things differently and to be creative? So those teams that invest time and have the opportunity and the environment to get these four see moments tend to be the ones that are able to weather the challenges that are around. And I think just kind of thinking back from a definition point of view, if resilience, as the American Psychological Association says, is the capacity to adapt in the face of adverse events or trauma, then from a team point of view, 
what does that mean in terms of being able to bend and stretch and be flexible enough? If one or two of you is having a tough time, the other seven or eight are able to compensate in that moment. Yes. A bit like the geese flying, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. You know, so flying the, in the form, ge- yeah, and helping each Abs- other out, yeah. Absolutely. If there's one poor person right at the front who just for the last two and a half years has been taking every single headwind. (laughs) The reason the geese fly in formation is that it's easier to be inside that formation. You get 40% less wind drag. But equally, what the geese know is just instinctual that you've got to move things around a bit and give that person at the front a break. So this also maybe is a call out to any leaders who have been absolutely on a white knuckle ride, holding it all together. Actually, it can be quite inspiring for your team to ask them, for example, to run the next team meeting. It gives you a break. It mixes the variety of energy. And actually, that might be something that really inspires that person to develop their career and yeah. think about things a bit differently. I think that's so important. And, you know, that that's definitely happens within our team, which, you know, I'm really proud to say that's how we work as well. So, um, but to recognise that, I think, is really important. And as you, you know, you always say, you know, recognition is so key to people and recognising and acknowledging what people have done in the moment can make the biggest difference and if you like we always sometimes talk about having an emotional bank account you know if I'm going to put you know put some stuff into it I may be able to withdraw it at some point Um, but it's a two-way thing so you know if I'm going to invest then actually I'm going to show my appreciation when I'm taking some of that emotional bank account out because I need it but the relationship has to be there first and I think that's what is really important as well as part of team resilience is to have those relationships that um, that matter because you're nurturing the people you're getting to know them below the superficial level you know we're not as we would say we know I'm not asking you to go home and live with them what I am asking you is to we'll be able to work with them so how what do you need to know about that individual so you know when you the team needs it you can build on what strengths each of you bring and and if you like lean on each other uh, you know, when you need it I think that's so important I think it's also worthwhile just to sort of point out there are some real um, realities that can impact team resilience, even though each and every one of those members of that team might really want to have a set of nurturing relationships. And certainly what I'm picking up is resourcing. So if you have been 30% down on the numbers of people that would normally be looking after that bit of the organisation, then that is going to take, you know, it's going to take a bit of a battering in terms of the the individual loads everyone's been carrying. So certainly what I'm sort of starting to hear now, team resilience is finally, yes. we've got sign we've got, off yeah, for, to get to some recruit. new people yeah. in. Oh, <laughs> and there's this kind of, yay, but I think we just need to watch that there's not overpressure yes. on these new angels coming yeah. in that are going to suddenly make everything Our better. Our saviours, yeah. Our saviours. <laughs> so I, th- I think uh, for anyone here who's got some new people coming in, it's right, how do we welcome so yes. that people feel part of that rather than, right, you can look after it now yeah. and everyone goes off and takes their annual leave. <laughs> That's a good catch. Yeah, that's a good catch. Um, And uh, I think the other thing just to be aware of is also it can be quite bonding when you've been a team going through a rough time. So how do you still be welcoming and inclusive, even though there might be people with whom won't ever have a clue about what you've been through as a team? Absolutely. And you still want them to be welcomed in. Yeah, that's so important. But I think that's a bit around the story. That's the cultural piece, isn't it? It's like, this is where we've come from. So, you know, we're not using it as a, oh, woe is me and look what we've done. You know, my experience is bigger than your experience, yada, yada, yada. But it's, it's this bit of sometimes we just need to acknowledge the story and we need to share that story so that people have an awareness of it. They won't understand it, but as 
you're right because they weren't in it. But to have an awareness rather than go, oh, do you remember when we did that? And this poor new person's going, what are you talking about? So I think sometimes <laughs> that's setting the tone, isn't it? Around let's just bring you all up to speed. You know, yes, we've come through this, but we're now here and you've now joined. So they have an awareness of what's gone before, but also really clear on where, where their part now starts as well. And I think that's part of... That collaboration, as you were saying, the communication is key. Yeah. Um, so I think where you might have had things that genuinely impact resilience, which is um, not enough people doing mm. that sort of role, we're also seeing as well where there might be this sudden bundle yes. because the business demand has kind of raised up. And so, again, with that sort of lots of newness, how, how, do, how do we ensure that people don't feel sort of lost sort of within that? And I think ultimately the reason why we have teams, which nature shows us so beautiful, is you are stronger and safer together. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So, Flying solo might be easier in the short term, but after two or three years, if no one's watching your back and you're not watching someone else's back, then, you know, who knows that you might just become, you know, you might be getting less and less energised and uh, feeling good as you kind of go and no one might have noticed. Absolutely. yeah. I think uh, the the power of teamwork. So important. I think, and that would be my call to action, I think, Law, because that check-in and get to know somebody even whether they're new or they've been with you over the last three years going, oh my God, I think it's that take that moment of reflection and just, if you like, re-establish. So so where are we now? You know, how are we now? What are you thinking now? How are you feeling now? Um, And I think that- That old chestnut. That old chestnut, what are you thinking, how are you feeling? Um, Anybody out there who knows that's going groaning. But um, I think that- (laughs) Oh, here she goes. Here we go again. But I think that would really help now is the reflection, I think. Take time to reflect on where have you come from, how are you today, what's next couple of days or whatever looking like, and then go back around and go, how was that for you? So I think that bit of reflection and connection would be my call, call to action. Oh, I love it. My share of the secret would be, I think often people can get a bit daunted about the idea of being a team leader. Yeah. Because they worry that you've got to have an MBA or you've got to do <laughs> Definitely this Definitely don't need that, one of them. Yeah. Which of course adds value. Of course. It, it uh, shores up your confidence, etc. But at the end of the day, it's about, you know, will can I create an environment where people want to follow and it, they want to sort of stay? So I think my share of the secret would be, is there someone who you know who just has that potential to lead a team, just needs a little bit of com- comfort and courage and, and confidence just to say, actually... The things that they're talking, we're talking about on this podcast. I could see myself doing that. Great, you could be the most inspiring leader of a team in the future. And uh, you know, it, you're never too young to lead, and you're never too old to learn. So I would say, think of someone in your life for whom you just know they've got that potential or that hidden desire to become a team leader. Get them to listen to this. As always, we're sharing the secrets of actually in the reality of life, not what's said in the books, but what we see around us and our very privileged position of working with all sorts of teams and all sorts of scenarios team resilience is a real hot one for this year and uh you know sharing the secret in terms of some things that people can put into practice yeah definitely i love that and i'm looking forward to um as i say acknowledging how our team has worked and we are resilient as a team and we when we're faced with challenges we all do pull together and that's that's what makes the team special so i'm looking forward to um exploring what we're going to do next week as well 
Yeah, fantastic. And loads of fun music Absolutely. every now and then. That yes, that helps going us going. <laughs> <laughs> you know the Spotify playlist I'm sending out to teams that I've done sessions with at the moment? It's brilliant. It's really, yeah. yeah, it's such a fun way to cool. live, whether it's online or in the room. Love that. So next week, we're going to be tapping into, Debs, the ancient philosophy of the Stoics. So the obstacle is the way. And how do we be our own CEO, Chief Energy Officer, so if it feels like you've got hurdle upon hurdle that is on your working uh, day at the moment, then um, next week will be some tips and tricks to kind of do that. And I'll just play out with a final thing that um, someone, uh, we had a, a session yesterday and uh, when uh, I mentioned this, people went, oh, that's a good one. I said, the day there are no obstacles in your role is the day it can be automated. Yeah, that's true. Watch. <laughs> What so, about the robots or, could be coming? <laughs> absolutely. So the day there are no problems or obstacles or challenges yeah. that require your energy and effort is the day that all of that probably could be automated. Yeah. So although it might not make it easier in the short term, in the long term, that is actually the value that we're kind of adding. Anyway, more of that next week when we look Looking at forward stoicism. To it. Love it. And being our own chief energy officer. In the meantime, Debs, lots of love to you. And you, Law. Dig deep, sister. I'm You've digging. Got this. <laughs> Love you, Law. Love you. I'll send you the Dolly Parton playlist. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Bye, Dolly. Have a good week. Love, Love you. you. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at secretsfromacoach at aol.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you're a Spotify listener, give us a rating as it makes it easier for us to share the secret with others. 